Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Sunday, August 27th, and we're reviewing every rule change in the NFL and how it may impact the game. I'm sure you can see I got a new microphone. It sounds freaking great. We got a beat drop coming. Let's go. everyone hello and welcome in on today's episode we are going to review every single rule change that the NFL will have on the field this season every single thing that will impact the playing and the viewing experience we are going to cover on this pod and we are going to break it down and talk about how it might impact the game and then how it may impact us from a betting perspective now that's a really important topic to cover today which I will get to in one second But before we get started, I need to always remind myself and remind you guys to do our housekeeping. Quick few notes. First thing is to remind you guys to follow me on Twitter, the at FiddlesPicks Twitter. Follow my Substack, which is a new gambling newsletter I recently launched. We are going to be giving out giveaways every Monday and our first bet of the week. On Wednesday, you'll get an email or maybe possibly Thursday. You will get an email covering the entire gambling market that week for the NFL. What's going on? Where are the lines moving? Where's the money coming in? It's going to be very high-level, valuable content. If you are a sports gambler, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, certainly you are that. So, And then on Sunday or Saturday, you will get the final betting card of the week, which will have all of my best bets for the NFL that week. So if you are listening to The Advantage and you are trying to make money along with us, make sure you are subscribed to my Substack. The second point of housekeeping, I guess that's the third. We did Twitter first, Substack second. Third is join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. That is the place currently where you can find all access to my bets at the exact moment that I take them. I will drop a little hint that in the next week or two, there might be some big changes there that might be pretty exciting. So for now, join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel, and maybe there'll be an update on that pretty soon. Joining me today is actually first time on the pod for this man. And let me take the listeners behind the curtain. This is like one of my best friends in my life. Like, I was a groomsman for this guy. I was not only at the bachelor party, I called myself the groommate because I was the roommate to the groom at the bachelor party. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it besides like, this is one of the people I love the most in the world. His name's Chris Dorsey. I will introduce, let him speak in one second. He's used to me talking over him. I host the podcast. He's the guest. But why I brought in Dorsey today is because he's a huge NFL fan. He's not the biggest sports gambler, but this guy is diehard for his Ravens. He's the one screaming the O during the national anthem. If you if anyone in Baltimore just understood that, anyone not in Baltimore is like, what the hell? What does that mean? He screams the O in the middle of the anthem. He is the biggest Ravens fan in the world. He's had Lamar Jackson on his fantasy team for four or five straight years. 
uh, in a keeper league. He just keeps Lamar every time. This year, I convinced him to change his mindset and just go draft Lamar at the same spot. Anyways, his name's Chris Dorsey. He is going to be giving back feedback from just the common NFL fan. So I, I decided it would be best if I had myself like a high-level gambler and then just a basic NFL fan. Sorry, Dorsey, I don't mean that in a rude way just an average NFL fan, to then have these conversations about what the rule changes are going to be. And maybe he asks a question or gives a feedback that's different from the way my brain's working because we kind of see these things differently. He could finally start talking. Doris, welcome on to your first ever time on The Advantage. How are you doing today, bud? Mike, it's great to be here. This is exciting for me. I've uh, been a long-time listener, first-time participant. Uh, but no, I'm really, really excited to be here. As you mentioned, just your average NFL viewer, just your average fantasy guy, definitely not an expert. But uh, what I can say is the more I listen to The Advantage, the more I follow Fiddle Picks, uh, I'm learning a lot. I'm definitely learning a lot. Um, hey, and it's coming from my best friend, as you mentioned before. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Very happy to be here. Uh, yeah, happy to kind of break down the season here. To be a, to, to, to take you guys a little bit behind the curtain again and be a little cocky about myself, Dorsey pitched to me the idea, like, when I asked him to come on the show, he was like, what if we just did a pod where it was just, like, the average fan and the expert? Where, like, we just did a thing weekly where I'm just, like, always asking you the questions as, like, an average fan and you're giving the advice. And to which I responded to him, I'm like, Dorsey, we did three or four pods together. You would automatically start knowing what you're talking about and you would no longer be an average fan. Because people who listen to The Advantage certainly get the biggest advantage in this sports book because we know all of the key numbers, all of the betting trends, all of the home field splits, all of the what actually matters and how we cap these games, what indicators to look for, where to find the sharps and the sharks swimming in these waters. But today, Doris, let's let's move on. Oh, I also want to say, Wait. didn't you hit Zay I, Flowers? Yeah, me, right? uh, yeah, not to be a fiddle pick shill. I know that I am one of his best buddies, but I have to say, uh, it's free money. It's literally as a free, Ravens fan free, too. It's free money. So let me tell you this. So uh, again, not a big better. Literally just signed up for my FanDuel account. Um, so that was pretty exciting in itself. I haven't told my wife because uh, she might be a little concerned that I'm signing up for gambling <laughs> right now. As you know, we're looking at possibly trying to have a kid here soon. Maybe not the best financial strategy, but in this case, it is because this is free money. So there is a prop bet right now. It is on FanDuel where uh, they have Zay Flowers at 500 over under 500 yards on the season. Uh, if anybody's been paying attention to training camp, if anybody's been paying attention to this guy, uh, that's free money. Obviously, he's going to go over 500, barring any kind of injury. The Ravens obviously have a sad, sad history of injury. Uh, but I think the tide's turning. I think this is the year. I think Zay's going to break out. He's going to be the receiver. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to win a couple hundred bucks. Um, so, yeah, basically Dorsey, free you money. Hear something, you want to hear something crazy? Go ahead. I just checked the line, and the current, if you could bet, the Zay Flowers over under on FanDuel is 625 yards. Literally. So I got it in 125 yards early. Oh, my. And so that is – wait, let's take a 20-second – let's take a 20-second timeout. That is the advantage that you now have. That is why everyone listening should be signed up for the Fiddles Picks Substack because that bet was sent out via the Substack, which is how Dorsey – found out about it in the first place. There was a, a week or a week and a half ago, I just got a call while I'm walking my dog, Bronny, one morning going, you're fucking joking about the Zay Flowers? What do you mean it's 500 yards? Like, what the fuck do you mean? You have to bet that. It's free money. He was giving me this whole speech 
to which he then created a FanDuel account, and he might have been the one to move the line with his 100 bucks that he put on it. <laughs> so, so it's now up to 625 We call that closing line value. For Dorsey's plus 125 yards on that ticket represents such strong closing line value that that is the premise of everything we're doing here on the advantage. We are trying to get ahead of these odds before the games even start. So right. you are trying to say, you're trying to say, I see where this line is now. And by the time the game even starts, the line is going to move, which changes the expected value and the implied probability of the original bet that I already placed. And so when we talk about hitting these lines that are minus 110, which at that time the Zay Flowers prop was, Dorsey, you sent me $110 to win 100 and the flip side of that is you need a 52.38% hit rate to then be profitable as a sports gambler if you're betting all minus one-tenths. That's what we call implied probability. So now if we look at the live line and we say, okay, if the live line is now 625 and that represents generally a 50-50 split, the live line has a 50-50 chance of happening, but you're paying the house the 52.38% needed. Now you have $125, 125 yards on your side on that prop bet. So if you actually look at the new implied probability and the expected value of what just 500 yards would be, it would be significantly higher than the 52.38, which means that this bet carries positive expected value and you are expected to make a certain percentage of that wager. If you did this every single time, Dorsey, if you constantly hit lines and then got ahead of the movement, you will win money as a sports gambler. That is the advantage at its core. Beat the lines, get ahead of movement before the game even tips off. You were you were saying one thing. What's up, Mike? Can I tell you my only regret? Yeah, is that I didn't take, didn't out, a 401k loan, uh, take <laughs> out a four hundred one k loan, take out a four hundred one k loan, and put down about a hundred times more than I did. That's literally my only regret. <laughs> All right. Well, then one day me and you will need to have a discussion about exposure, and I will tell you that you actually did the right thing by not doing that. So. Um, let's jump in straight into today's material, Doris. Like I said, we are covering every single rule change that will take place on the field this NFL season. There are little other rule changes like declaring players active and having reserve players. We're not going to go into the waiver wire stuff, the salary cap changes, the contract. Like We don't need to do that. We need to know what's going to happen on the field and break down how it may affect the game. The reason to do this, we do this every season, the reason why the timing of doing this today on Sunday, August 27th is so fucking perfectly immaculate is because of what happened yesterday in college football. Chris Dorsey, are you aware what happened yesterday in college football? No, give me the, give me the breakdown. The breakdown's pretty simple. The NCAA football changed one particular well, they changed a few rules, but I want to point out one particular rule change from last season to this season, and that was there's no clock stoppage when a team gets a first down in college. They used to stop the clock and wait for the ball to be set when 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 and then start the play clock again on every single first down. Now, if the first down happens and you're still the ball's still in play, the clock keeps running, right? And then they'll set the ball, they'll start the play clock, whatever. But the clock is running throughout the whole time. So the games are going to be ticking a little faster. So the sharps in the market uh, price that out to be about a three-point change in, in the average 
NCAA game that there would be three less points scored because the clock is going to run faster. There's going to be less plays being had. There's going to be less scoring opportunities because there's less plays. So they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to say it's going to result in approximately three less points. However, the Vegas sports books move the lines, the average lines from 56 points on week zero last year. They call it week zero in college. I don't, they need to get their numbers right to 54 this week. So it was only a two point swing. So all of the sharp gamblers who thought it was going to be a three point swing hit the unders in literally every single game, Dorsey. And I was on the phone with you yesterday and I told you someone I know just went 10 and 0 in college football. That's because they smashed every single under with the premise of the books hadn't caught up to the rule change fast enough. So we are doing a pod today to break down the rule changes to see if we could get any advantage on the way these games are going to be impacted because yesterday was an absolute clobbering from the Sharps to the betting market, taking all of their money, being being the worst people in Vegas for these odds makers, and we are going to literally just try and replicate that, and it just makes such perfect sense today because of what happened in college football yesterday. Go ahead. Yeah, as an average gambler, this is just fascinating to me because, you know, I previously, anytime I bet, it was all based purely on emotion, based on what I had seen most recently, recency bias, like all the worst things you can bet on. But to me, like literally using kind of the market forces uh, and, you know, advantage betting, obviously, as you're talking about here, that's just like fascinating to me because it literally, it feels almost like a cheat code uh, in an in approach to betting. Like what you just described there, um, I mean, obviously it paid off. You said he went 10 and 0. Um that's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really incredible to me that this is even an approach. And the more I learn about it, the more interested I get. That is why you keep tooting my horn over here. You're being a nice guy. That's why people who listen to this podcast, Dorsey, end up staying around for a few episodes. They, they realize I'm not the average Joe Schmo giving you the sports take that Stephen A is. We're, we're reading a market, right? We're breaking this down like it's an investment opportunity, like I'm g- being given a binder that explains interest rates and 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 you know future profits and all those things. I'm looking at percent ROIs, percent value edges. I'm not talking about Travis Etienne's going to be really good this year, so let's go all in the Jaguars. Like, no, that's not what we're doing. That's some sucker shit. We are advantage gamblers, and we find these edges. So let's start doing it. Stop beating around the bush and go over these NFL rule changes. All right, a little bit of technical difficulties between me and Dorsey. Hopefully, we got it all figured out. We are going to jump right into these rule changes. And like I said, unsure if this part is going to make the pod already in the recording. We're going to focus on the rule changes that are on field only. So there's Bronny. Right as we fix the right as we fix the mic, we're leaving Bronny in. She makes very regular appearances on the pod. She's stoked about the rule changes. <laughs> she, she has strong opinions. She's very vocal about it. Okay. Anyways, um, we're going to focus on only the rule changes that are on the field. So we're not going to talk about any contracts or any when you need to list players as active by Wednesdays and how you can contort your practice roster versus your your active squad. Those things are, are not going to be talked about. We are talking about what is going to happen on the field and how does it impact the game, okay? He's shaking his head yes, even though no one's going to see this video. Um, so <laughs> let's start off, Dorsey, with the one that has literally no impact at all, or maybe you have a different opinion than me. The number zero 
Shout out Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> the number zero is now eligible to be worn by NFL players in games. Uh, Mike, it does impact me because we have one of the best defensive players in the NFL in Roquan Smith for the Baltimore Ravens. He is number zero, uh, and I'm rocking that jersey. So I literally just looked up full list of players switching from their numbers to number zero because this is the first season that you're allowed to do it, right? Are you that yes, big of a Ravens right. fan where you looked up that Roquan that you previously read this? I already got the jersey. Oh, my God. He literally is the O. That's the O. That's the Baltimore, yeah. the zero. All right. So, so okay. So, Roquan, DeAndre Swift is doing it. Brian Burns on the uh, lot on the Panthers, I think, right? Yeah, Panthers. Paris Campbell, Giants. Calvin Ridley, Jaguars. Marvin Jones Jr., Lions. Braxton Berrios, Dolphins. Uh, Roquan, like we said, Ravens. Byron Young, Rams, Yaya Diaby, Buccaneers, Sean Murphy, Bunting, Titans, and Lorenzo Carter on the Falcons. So we have a list of players that will be changing their jersey and rocking the zero this year out there on the field. I don't know if it's going to have any impact on the game, though. We no, some good that company one? in that list, though. Yeah, some definitely yeah, some good do, company oh, in yeah. that list. Roquan, Brian Burns, Swift Ridley. is an interesting fantasy name this year. Ridley's a very interesting fantasy name, in my opinion, going way too high. Um, we could talk about that another time. Or you can go listen to my previous podcast where my microphone sucked, and you can listen to my scratchy voice talk about fantasy football. All right. I want to uh, prop, prop that on all number zeros. We got to get something like that going. That would be a little fun thing, like a, a player wearing zero to win an NFL award or something. Yeah, Plus yeah, 500. yeah. All right, cool. Let's uh, <laughs> let's move on to something that actually might impact the game. Referees will adjust the play clock following an instant replay reversal the same way they do following other stoppages. Before, players would have to signal back to the officials to request more time on the play clock in such situations. Dorsey, I'll translate this to English for you. Explain the like play a clock is going to return to the normal 25 seconds that teams get after a normal stoppage. It's not the full 40 seconds that you get between plays, but when there is a rule, like when there is a stoppage that causes a reversal, they will place the ball and then start it from the 25 play clock for the, for the offense to get the snap off. In my opinion, it's little to no impact. It's generally good for the offense, bad for the defense. It's going to lead to less delay of games and less surprise moments for the offense. However, the I wouldn't be surprised if this is just a rule that kind of cleans up the game a little bit. And there were really one or two or three of these in the entire NFL season where it even ended up happening and it's a five-yard penalty at that. So I don't really think it's that big of a deal. It's just going to clean things up a bit. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it's definitely part of this overall trend we're seeing of uh, NFL going more offensive-oriented. Um, obviously, I think we'll keep seeing this in a larger sense as we move forward. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to be particularly of a material impact. Right. Generally, there's no good outcome for the defense for this, and there's only a positive outcome for the offense for this. It just gives the – I mean, you could angle that the defense gets more time to set as well, but – we all know that that benefits the offense just as much, if not more. All right, let's move on to the third NFL rule change. The replay official can automatically review a close play on a failed fourth down attempt. This will save a team's, save teams a challenge if it's a close call on fourth down. 
the rule change may speed up the game since replay officials can review the play immediately. So pretty simple to understand this one, Dorsey. Fourth down conversions deemed a failure are automatically reviewable by the eyes in the sky, the booth, the the Secaucus, as they call it in the NBA, the, the people in the NFL headquarters in the NFL. There, there will be players that could call into the refs and say he was short or he got it, and the coach is not having to use a challenge. You don't get that 40-second time period where the offense is setting their play and the coach is still considering it. Then he throws the challenge. The ref walks over to the coach, says, what are you challenging? Then walks to the middle field and says, San Diego, I'm using a purposely non-existent name because it's a non-existent uh, rule anymore. San Diego Chargers are challenging the spot of the ball. And then they run over to the things and they, you know, watch in the little tablets or in the booth, whatever. We could scrap all of that and we will just have replay officials calling it in. But I actually think this is maybe the biggest change we have this NFL season. I mean, this is just such an obvious one. Like, it. it Anytime there's an opportunity to like get it right <laughs> in a fair way where a team doesn't have to give up a potential timeout to challenge it, like I just don't understand if there's an opportunity to get it right, we should always try to be getting it right. Um, and also, like, wait, why wait, don't we wait, have- wait, 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 wait. Let me stop you right there and press you on that. So you're telling okay, me when a when a player converts the fourth down, let's say it's your your boy Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins on the Ravens. <laughs> And he converts the fourth down, and they call it yes a first down, but it's really close. Now it's uh, the onus is on the defense where they have to challenge it. The, 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 the only situation that's reviewable is a failed fourth down conversion. So do you think all that we should? Sh- you all think fourth all fourth downs, downs should be reviewed automatically? And okay, not to like divert here, but like, why don't we have microchips in the ball? Like, isn't there a scientific way we can just answer this without having to have a human error involved? Like. Come on, Wait, NFL. You don't think a- we, you, we don't think we should have humans with the orange chains running on and off the field? <laughs> no. You don't think not. it would what affect nineteen thirty two with Lombardi's See, it, coach? Would it affect would it affect the aesthetic as you as a fan? What what do you mean the aesthetic? As a fan, I just want to get it right. It's as simple as All that. Right. I think the NFL I mean, would like to hear this. I know Roger Goodell not only listens to this pod forwards and backwards in one point <laughs> five in in zero point five speed. He loves this show, so he'll hear what you're saying. Mike, I can assure you the technology is there to automatically get it right without the chain gang. <laughs> but now, what about the jobs in Baltimore? As a Baltimore fan, we have this chant that goes: "Move those chains, move those chains, move those chains, move." So we would lose that, but uh, move that chip, move that chip. Move that chip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so, um, but so you, you agree that it should be reviewable, but you, have you realized that the NFL has only made the failed version viewable? So the, the caveat here is this is clearly beneficial for the offense because when the offense fails, they will not have to use a challenge or a timeout. When the defense succeeds, they might get that opportunity taken away. Flip it on its head. When the offense succeeds, the defense fails. The defense now has the is forced to use a challenge. Meanwhile, that offense is going to be running up to the line to try and get a quick snap off. So they're going to be trying to pressure the defense into using one of those timeouts, even precautionary, even as a challenge. And then you lose your challenge later in the game because some quarterbacks, if you don't think Mahomes is going to get someone on this this year, 
or you don't think one of these Aaron Rodgers or one of these brilliant quarterbacks are going to like bait another coach into using their timeout after a QB sneak, get back to the line. It was called first down. We're not actually sure if it was. I'm going to try and get the snap off really quickly. And, and, and the, the teams, these teams are going to know if this situation happens, this is our preset play. We're running to immediately go offense is going to be very much at advantage from a timeout perspective, from a challenge perspective, from a uh, ability to review and gain a first down that they otherwise would have lost. There's so many reasons why this is great for offense. Yeah, and I think it's one of those situations, though, where they got it half right, and therefore they got it almost totally wrong. Like, we could have gone gone the full way here, and uh, they just didn't. They took, you know, one step forward, two steps back, unfortunately, here. Um, But, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. All right, shall we move on? Let's go. Tripping and launching are going to be more scrutinized and are both 15-yard penalties this year. I think little to no offense, little to no impact, leans plus offense, minus defense, because launching is probably going to be called early in the season as a, like, we're setting the standard. Um, What? Well, let's just, let's clarify launching here. Are we talking about, is that launching during a kick? And, like, somebody, you know, boosting a player over a kick? What do you mean by launching? No, like a defender going for a tackle and launching their body into – instead of actually just making a tackle where you still have – where you still have, like – We're getting rid of that? Uh, it seems like – it seems like it's going to be more – it says more scrutinized. So, I think there's going to be a – more of an aim to say that these are more violent hits or they're going to be more willing to throw a flag. Like last year we saw roughing the passer. Remember how many roughing the passers we saw last year and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady were getting up from these passes, literally laughing. Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee saying, honestly, they've taken some of the toughness out of the game for the quarterbacks. Uh, it's, it, it sometimes feels nice to get hit a little bit. They've definitely, they, 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 we, we appreciate the protection, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's laughable. <laughs> and then, and then this season, one of the rules that we're not going to talk about today, Dorsey, because it got declined was to lighten the, the roughing the passer rules. And so this feels like those launching moments are just going to be not completely eliminated where if you make a really clean tackle to the target zone and it's a clean play and it's a nice wrap up and you just left your feet to make the tackle, it's a diving play on the court, whatever I under, then I think no, but I think they're going to be more cautious, especially early in the season. We see this often early in the season, things get called more to kind of set the standard for later in the season. And Given the amount of injuries and concussions last year and serious injuries and the speed that the players are moving at now, uh, that launching and certain like launch angles is something that the NFL has talked about. So I think those are going to be more scrutinized. So two things. Uh, And there's a harsher penalty. Right, right. So two things. On the quarterback piece, look, the NFL is a business, okay? We are not going to stop protecting quarterbacks anytime soon. Uh, that's just how it's going to be. The rules aside, what people think aside, it doesn't matter. We're going to continue to protect quarterbacks uh, because obviously we've seen teams that lose their star quarterback eventually just typically just fall off. But two, on the thing about launching, I think a lot of this, and to your point, you just mentioned this, is the angle, right? Like I think if a player is launching into a counter angle where like they're clearly coming from two different directions, he's launching 
to hit them from another angle. I think that's different than launching to grab a player that's going in the same direction to be able to bring him down. So are we talking about like more head to head launching, uh, you know, from an adverse angle or all launching? I think it's going to be the ones that you're talking about. I think it's going to be the examples that are look a little grosser, result in more injuries, yeah. are certain angles. And I'm Get sure these refs, these refs are going to be trained to recognize certain ones is okay and certain ones is not okay. Uh, tripping also, it just it's called so infrequently. It, oh. the, the most the most frequent thing time tripping is called uh, probably on offensive linemen. So this might be bad for offensive linemen, and it's now a 15 yard penalty instead of like the 10 yard holding. So maybe, Good. but again, what are there 15 tripping calls? You know, one a week in the NFL. It's not really going to take that big of drastic. Like most games won't have this at all. Yeah, tripping, no place for it. Put the 15 yards on it. I'm fine. Uh, just don't do it. It's like littering. Just don't do it. <laughs> I'd, I'd venture off to say most are an accident, but it, it'll be more just like clean up your footwork. All right. Here's oh, another good one. Egregious ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's another good one. Uh, you are now going to be penalized. I'm going to stop reading the exact NFL language of it. You're now going to be penalized for handing the ball off forward. So – you know how like on these read option plays, now if you're handing the ball off, even in the backfield, right? Even if it's not a pass play, it's not a f- forward pass situation, you still have to even hand the ball off to the running back either behind you or laterally. No more of that snap the ball in shotgun, put the ball, extend your arms in front of you and let the running back come and take it in stride, right? They're, that bit of the option is going to be taken away. You're good. The quarterback is going to have to hand the ball off laterally or behind them. And this is obviously plus defense because it gives the defense a little more time uh, because you're not going to get, you have the, the reason for shotgun was that you would have the quarterback having more time to get the ball off. And then if you're handing the reason for going under center was that you could get your running back in stride when he took the ball. So by going in shotgun and then putting the ball in front of you, you were creating both advantages for yourself on offense. So that's taken out of the game. So now it's going to be a little bit more plus defense for this rule change. I don't think it's going to have the craziest impact. Again, I expect this to be called early in the season a few times to establish precedent. I do would be shell shocked if we see this in a AFC championship game where they're calling illegal hand, illegal lateral handoff. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it seems like it's going to be, uh, and and then Dorsey, I want to keep going. This will make acts listed above counted as a loss of down at the spot of the foul, just like an illegal forward pass or an intentional grounding. So yeah, let me, let me, you're now, if you do it and you're from shotgun, it's essentially counting as a sack where it's it's first and 10 and I'm snapping the ball in shotgun and handing it forward, blowing the play dead at second and 14. Yeah, fully understand the rule, fully understand like the letter of the law of the rule. Uh, but let's peel this back for a second. Why? Like, what do we think the reason for this is? Why? What is the NFL trying to accomplish by implementing a rule like this? Honestly, I think it's another... I just assume all of these changes are trying to make the game. I think the major thing the NFL is doing right now is trying to make the game a little safer. So I would say by doing this, you're just slowing down the speed of players at the initial onset of a play. And 
the collisions are going to be if you have a little less speed, you have a little less force of collision. So I would say yeah, I would say it slows things down just a tiny bit. Uh, I don't think it makes drastic enough difference. We, we, we'll, we'll see. We'll see in the numbers in, in a year or two. Yeah, I'm not buying this one. Um, I just, I mean, you know, again, I'm the casual fan. That's what I'm representing. And, you know, I, I am all about player safety. I think that's where the NFL should be shifting. But this one just seems a little bit of like an overreach to me. I don't know that we're going to see a tangible impact here on reducing inju- injuries at all. Um, and then if we're just being completely honest, you know, Lamar Jackson's my quarterback. The situation is going to probably impact me a little bit more than maybe, you know, a team with like Kirk Cousins or somebody. So that's very true. Uh, you know, I'm a little hesitant. I'm a little hesitant uh, from a selfish standpoint. Can I zag on, and I'm glad you brought up Lamar. It definitely will impact Lamar more than most quarterbacks, but can I zag and say, this is actually going to benefit quarterbacks in general in the league because the thing, the thing that I've noticed with quarterbacks and that I've heard a lot of experts say is when they're under center at the offensive line, they get a lot more information at that location. You can you can see like even shotgun presents the opportunity to have more time. Being under center allows you to learn more about what the defense is doing. So it's a it's Why? kind of a pu- push pull. Without getting too deep into the specifics, a lot of experts are constantly like, if this if a young quarterback should be under center so that they can recognize what defense and what formations are there. I guess you see certain blitz patterns. You have other motion routes that are allowed to, to, to recognize if it's zone or man. There's like little intricacies of what you could do in each formation. But being under center allows you to learn more on the given play. Being in shotgun allows you to have more time. So I think for some of these quarterbacks, we are going to have higher completion rates, uh, better, potentially even more explosive plays because of play action uh, and coverage busts. I think the quarterbacks might be really sharp being under center. Sure. But I think if we look back at the last few MVPs, the last, uh, (laughs) uh, last few MVP quarterbacks, uh, doesn't that that trend does not align there? Ooh, Mahomes, Mahomes, Rogers, Rogers, the last three. Well, right, okay, I'm going back to Lamar. I'm sorry, I'm so focused on 2019 unanimous MVP year, but yeah, no. When we think about <laughs> Mahomes, we think about when we think about Mahomes, we think about Lamar. They're not they're not typically two under center, right? Lam- Mahomes can do absolutely everything, and uh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, Lamar Lamar was in a special system, and he was just absolutely incredible. So all power to him. Yeah. All he's right. His, he's a special human. All right, let's keep going. Uh, you talked about – you, you, you mentioned something that made me think of the next rule change, but it's, a, it's on kickoffs, Dorsey. Uh, from now, when you, get, when you kick the ball off to, after a touchdown or whatever, the player, if it's not in the end zone – remember, you would have to be in the end zone to either fair catch or take a knee – if, if the ball is going to land at the three or four yard line, you can still fair catch it and get it at the 25. Yeah. So we met, you know, we remember I, a few years ago, they moved it from 20 to 25. Now they're moving it. So even if the ball lands at the six, you can call for a fair catch and just say, I'll take my 25 field position. I get it. I do. I do get it. I mean, if you remember back, uh, back in the day on ESPN, 
they had that uh, series. You got jacked up. I was about to say, you're talking like jacked up. A lot of those jacked up segments were on plays like this. Um, obviously, the NFL probably had a little backdoor agreement with ESPN asking if they don't do that segment anymore because we haven't seen that in several years. Uh, but I feel like a lot of the times it was on plays like this where they're trying to, you know, trying to catch the ball uh, on a return and then they just got, you know, absolutely clobbered. Um, I get it. Um, again, we're moving towards safety. That's a business. Business decision makes sense. I don't know if I'm excited about it. I remember those days back with like Dante Hall and players like that. It was one of the most electrifying. Uh, it's one of the most electrifying plays in the game. Period. Uh, and that's going to be taken away to an extent, I think, because uh, you know I think there's going to be a lot of special teams coaches saying just fair catch it, just do it, take the safe route, um, unless you have one of those X factor type players. Shout out Devin Hester. Also, remember it. Absolutely. Yeah, remember him? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen that often in games, um, but it definitely is a rule aimed at safety in that one. The NFL, without releasing the data, has been very adamant that the majority of injuries and the high-speed collisions happen the most on kickoffs. Uh, that's where the most concussions happen by far, according to them. I, I think I heard that someone estimated that, like, 17% of concussions or, or, or 22% of concussions come on kickoff plays. Yeah. And like that does not account for like 17% of the plays at all in the NFL. It's like probably <laughs> way, way less for the kickoff. That's after a touchdown or starting a half or game that's few and far between it's probably like five or six, seven of those a game, um, 70 plays. So it's maybe 10% of the, of the plays and, 20% of the injuries. So that's clearly a place to target. Um, so I understand it from that perspective, but I don't, I don't think it's going to happen that much. I, I think they've, they, yeah. they keep encouraging people to just take the good field position. 25 is a pretty plus place to start compared to what it was in the 20. Yeah. And you know, I, it, I just start to wonder uh, how much we're going to take away from the strategy of special teams overall. Like, you know, it's a great a question. Coach, There's a lot of I gotta people start thinking like, Am I going to keep getting paid the same? Because I have a lot less decision-making involved right now. Like, I just, you know, there's not as much to it. Apparently, the special teams coach unanimously voted no. Well, that adds up, Apparently, the teams, like, majority voted against this. But then, like, Goodell talked to them, like, over and over again and had the vote, like, three times. It was like, we're passing this one, guys. It's not going to be that big yeah, of a deal. I mean, we're passing I this one. I get it. But people were <laughs> adamantly against this. If there was any rule change that people were most against, it was this one. I would say 30% of your job duties are gone with this with this change. Yeah. And, and, and some of the best teams and some of the best coaches get their edge from realizing how important special teams are. And getting good special teams – players that are specific special teams gadgets certain return guys certain guys who can go make a good hit and get a fumble or whatever you know so go ahead yeah teams are just uh they're gonna have to have a real real special kick returner for them to even give them any kind of green light to say go ahead and do this so i think if you don't have one of those players and there you know there's not a ton of them out there but if you don't have one of those players i think the 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 directive is going to be play it safe uh, Packers and Jets are two teams that have one this year. If you're taking a random long shot bet for like there to be a return touchdown in this game, go with one of those two teams. All right, let's move on to the last one that we have, Dorsey. And it's pretty simple. It's to provide greater clarity on a player's availability for a game 
and it was proposed by the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think this is uh, they they're pretty much calling it the T Higgins rule. It's literally on the NFL's website in the language that it's, re- it's most related to the T Higgins incident from last season. But there was a game where um, Bengals wide receiver T Higgins played one snap against the Cleveland Browns in Week 14 after tweaking his hamstring in pregame warmup. Yet Cincinnati removed Higgins from the injury report prior to the game, making it seem like he was going to play. And then he clearly was still hurt. So the Bengals kind of finagled with the injury report and tried to make it seem like one of their players was healthy when he really wasn't because he's one of their best players that they would have to strategize for. And if they knew T Higgins was out, they could completely redirect their coverage over to chase and have other pregame strategies. And the Bengals just said, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll mark him healthy and let him play one snap. I had right? no they idea. They probably put him out there on a, uh, exactly. <laughs> Coach I had no idea that the uh, Cincinnati uh, picked up Bill Belichick. I must have uh, flown under the radar, but that just so, feels like. <laughs> so the reason why I think this is so funny, Doris, is because the Chargers were the ones that requested the rule change, and they were not even involved in the game. Now, why would they do that? I have absolutely no idea. You're gonna have to take me down the take me down the path on this one. Do you know? Do you remember the reason why Justin Herbert became a starter in the NFL? No, I, you're gonna have to refresh me. So Justin Herbert was drafted after Tua in that great quarterback draft, um, <laughs> and I think there was three of them that were drafted that early that are all doing well. Um, Tua's still good. I'm a Tua guy. So um, Herbert's amazing though. Um, so like Herbert was drafted, and. It was his rookie season, week two. Tyrod Taylor was the starter for the for, for the, <laughs> the old the old Ravens Flacco backup. So Tyrod, the old everyone's backup, Bills, Texans, Accurate. Chargers, Ravens. Um, so so Tyrod was the starter, and pregame he's getting a like cortisone injection or like a like one of those like like uh. I forget the name of it, but you get what I'm saying. One of those painkillers. Yeah, it's a painkiller thing. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, band up the, the doctor ends up putting it in for his ribs. He had a rib injury in week one. So he was getting numbed up before the game. Toradol. It's called Toradol. He was getting a Toradol injection. And the, the doctor ended up putting the needle too far and it punctured his lung. Pre-game. Oh my God. Taylor has to leave the stadium and go to the hospital. Justin Herbert takes over and absolutely like has a kind of what a Tom Brady was to, to, to Drew Bledsoe at the time where it's like, this guy's not giving up the job. He's balling out. Like this guy, we didn't like, whoa, future franchise starts now. Herbert beast. So no going back. The reason why I find this so funny is because I think the chargers want the stink of the Tyrod Taylor situation off their hands. (laughs) I think they want to go into – I think they want more of these disaster situations to be known so that – and I think that's why they proposed the rule change so that the Tyrod <laughs> Taylor incident isn't still the laughing stock of all things team injury yeah. related. As they say on workaholics, they are very butthurt still. That, that, that is still uh, – that sting is still there. Oh, man. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I feel like, you know, transparency is a good thing. I just – 
you know, I just have this hatred towards Bill Belichick and coaches like that who are just always trying to, you know, blatantly, dickishly, uh, you know, skirt the rules, right? I mean, everybody's trying to skirt the rules. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? But I don't know. I think uh, this kind of stuff is probably better for the league. But um, I don't know. What do you think? Is there something I'm not considering? No, I don't. I don't think this has much advantage anywhere. I don't think that's going to have much of an impact on the game. I think from a fantasy and betting perspective, we're going to start to know more. This is how I would view it. Actually, this is kind of a cool take. Just came out with this on the fly. This is why you listen to this podcast thirty-five minutes in, and I appreciate you. So, there's a chance that we start to get to know more information very close to pregame, and lines start moving pregame because of new information that comes out. So, if we had known that T Higgins was actually going to be out that game and things were going to change. Does Jamar Chase's yards prop change really quick? Does Joe Burrow's odds for having two or three touchdowns change really quick, right? Because Burrow becomes less likely to have more touchdowns. Jamar Chase becomes more likely to have a high volume of Burrow's yard situation. So these things would change. Maybe the point spread changes half a point or a point or whatever. Maybe it's relative to a key number. I personally don't think players are worth that many points. Like I don't think a T Higgins in this situation would be worth much change in a spread. If anything, half a point, but if it's a quarterback, I mean, then you might get a three or four point swing on a Sunday morning. Right? So that would just open up the door. I've, I've said so often that you have to bet the NFL early. Like I'm betting Sunday night, Monday morning, I'm betting, Thursdays when injury reports start to come out and I'm rarely betting on Saturday or Sunday now becomes the caveat of there might be some big movements to get ahead of in the same way that we got ahead of the Zay Flowers situation you're trying to get ahead of these lines there may be some big movements coming on Sunday mornings because of new injury news that surfaces that you expected, oh, he practiced Thursday he's listed as questionable they're just going to make him active we might get some late inactives that's going to swing lines yeah, no, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so more one of those rules that probably impacts us betters more so than uh, us betters. Look at me. I'm already including myself <laughs> in the group. Uh, us betters a little bit more than, you know, what's actually happening so much on the field. But no, I get it from a strategy standpoint. You know, it's going to change the way you prepare for a game. So, yeah. You got you got time for one more? I've got time for as many more as you need, man. All right, well, let's, let's do one keep more. going. This let's is, keep this thing uh, going. Let's let's make let's let's add our own rule changes to the NFL. Let's come up with that. That would be fun. I've got a rule change. All right, well, let's do that in one second. I actually have a few fun ones that I've heard, so I'm going to throw them to you in a second. But there's one last one that we should actually discuss, and this one is what I call the 49ers rule. It's because the 49ers quarterbacks all got hurt in the Eagles uh, NFC Championship game last year. Right, we had. I think Lance is already hurt. Brock Purdy. Well, they were pulling throw in with Phillip his Rivers. Elbow. Right. Isn't that they, the they, uh, rumor? <laughs> what? No, they, no, I'm saying they were, they, uh, is they that a current rumor? To pull in Phil- no, yeah, no, that story has been out there. They were ready to pull in Phillip Rivers in a, in an emergency situation. They were talking. If they him. made it to the Super Bowl after that game. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wild, so, right? Wild. That would have been awesome. Shout out San Diego, Philly Rivers. So, um, and his nine kids now 10. So, um, what I was going to say is you used to have, uh, was like 46 or whatever players active on, on Sunday, I think 52 or 53 on the roster, but 46 right. active on game day that are dressed. 
you can now have 46 plus one emergency quarterback that doesn't count as an active roster spot, but can only play quarterback and come in and play that one position in the case of emergency where the other quarterbacks got hurt. So for this example, the, the, the 49ers would have had another quarterback that they wouldn't have had to not use an active roster spot for. So they would have been able to take on one more guy and just have an, in case of emergency guy, because the NFL does not want court games, especially playoff games, especially later in the season games when injuries start mounting up where teams are playing without quarterbacks. I mean, I know it's fun for us fans to watch and think, wow, (laughs) McCaffrey might come in or is Debo going to be the quarterback? The reality was McCaffrey was never going to be the quarterback. They just used Purdy and literally did not throw the ball. Like he could not throw the ball. He couldn't grip with his elbow. He couldn't squeeze his fingers. So like they, they literally ran, I think, I think they ran every single play in the second half or something. So we can't get into those situations. That's brutal for the NFL. It doesn't, it's not good for the game. It happens more in the more important late season game. So this is a nice, just, I don't, I, I would expect it actually has zero impact on this season. I would hope it has zero impact on this season. I think we are all hoping that no third string emergency quarterback who's not on the active roster has to play for all of our eyes and for the health of the front two guys. Um, but the rule change was interesting, Dorsey, because I was thinking of the 49ers this year where they were going to start Purdy. They had Trey Lance on the roster. He just got traded to the to the, to the the Cowboys. But I was thinking you could start your, your pocket quarterback. You could make your backup more of a gadget guy. And then you could have your emergency guy be the secondary normal backup. So I think some teams are going to finagle with the order of their depth charts and listing the like the the true backup as the emergency because you can get a different kind of weapon in there i look at like the patriots they have that guy mac jones they have bailey zappy and they have uh malik cunningham who's been a quarterback who's absolutely balling out and he's probably going to have moments at wide receiver this year so you make mac the starter you make cunningham the two cunningham (laughs) plays a little wide receiver if mac gets hurt you can insert Zappy to only play quarterback, which Zappy was only playing quarterback anyways. So I think that's the impact of this rule, even though it's not an actual game day change, similar to the T Higgins right. one. Like it's not listed on the game day cha- changes on, on like in game changes on the NFL. It's, it's, uh, uh, I, I don't know what it's classified as, but I know that's a rule change that a lot of people are talking about. I was surprised that the 49ers traded Trey Lance because I thought they could have done the same thing where they had Brock Purdy starting Trey Lance as the mobile guy and then brought in Darnold in case of emergency if Purdy got hurt. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think uh, you're playing a little 40 chess here. I think that I, I like it. I like uh, I like the way we're looking at this. But no, I think uh, it definitely that makes a lot of sense. Should we do some fun what-if rule changes in the NFL? Yeah, let me let me throw out an idea too. I mean, what's your? Uh, can you remind the the fans at home what's your what's your Twitter handle again? At Fiddlespicks. At Fiddlespicks. Why don't they? Why don't the fans? Why don't the listeners here? Why don't they tweet in some of their own ideas? What do you got? Oh, that's a what great are some crazy one. zany ideas. What are some crazy zany? Yeah, ideas if you have a crazy you NFL, NFL rule change, send them to me. But Doris, do you have anyone that you want to that you want to throw out? 
Uh, yeah, well, here's one. I think uh, we need to take a look at uh, overtime. I don't love the idea that overtime can really be influenced by the flip of a coin. Um, I think both teams, even if the first team goes down and scores a touchdown, I think the other team gets the opportunity to still score. And you have 15 minutes, and at the end of that 15 minutes, we see what happens. And if we have to go to a second, we go to a second. I like that. I, I, I always like the college overtime where it's like one and one. And it's, always, it's like a sudden death format instead of like a – it's a showdown format instead of a sudden death format is the correct way to say it. All right. You ready for mine? What do you got? Yeah. As a Ravens fan, I think this one would be really interesting because you have the best kicker in the game, right? No, we have the best kicker of all time, period. Yes, go ahead. Shout out Vinatieri. He's better than Justin Vinny. Tucker. Oh, absolutely. Not even a question. All right. I'm, I'm with that. I'm fine with that. What if home teams could finagle with how big the field goal posts were? That you could, in your stadium, decide if you had stick upright and you're just like, <laughs> we're the Ravens. <laughs> And and we have uh, Justin Tucker, so our guy's still going to make all the field goals. Or you have a shitty rookie kicker and whatever, and you make these massive, massive things. Or you're playing in Cleveland where the weather's horrible, so you just make massively wide uprights, so it's not really that big of a deal. Like, different teams could finagle, like maybe – not each game, but maybe like at the beginning of each season, they could set what they wanted their field goal post to be. All right, I didn't know we were getting that outside the box. Like you were that that's a that's absolutely nuts and I love it. I absolutely love it. That's like cuz here's the way you can think about that, right? Like on the surface, it does sound insane. Then if we think about the Major League Baseball, none of their parks are, you know, to a standardized regulated size. You got the green monster, things do change. So there is a precedent for doing something like that. Uh it'll definitely never happen. But <laughs> I I love the idea. I think it's really fun and yeah, as you mentioned, as a Ravens fan with Justin Tucker as, uh, as our as our uh, kicker, um, I can tell you those goalposts would be real, real narrow down in Baltimore. Wouldn't that be really cool? Yeah. How cool of a fun. fan well, experience now- would it be to go to a game? You, in your narrow stadium, you might see more two-point conversions. You might see, you know, if you're a team that's really good at two points in short yardage situations like the Eagles, are you making your uprights literally as narrow as the football so no one even attempts them because you're a plus advantage by having an amazing offensive and defensive line yeah yeah no absolutely well now that you've gone that crazy i kind of want to throw maybe another one out let me uh let me think here for a second you know i think one this is one everybody's probably thought of before um but what do you think what if we're kicking field goals further out you know steph curry changed the nba by shooting ba- shooting uh, shots from you know 40 feet out right i mean he's just become you know, he's really changed the game in that way. What if we're doing four-point field goals for over 60 yards out? What if we're doing five-point field goals for over 70 yards out? Now, again, this certainly impacts my team a little bit more than others. But I, I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. Um, what do you think? Is that is that too crazy? Um, no, because I think the degree of difficulty would correlate with the point value you'd receive, right? That would yeah, change absolutely. a lot of things in a gambling world about key numbers oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, you know, I would be interested if you kept it the same, but allowed uh, like field goal kickers to have metal tipped cleats or something so that they could literally blast them from 85 and like That's only were allowed to use them on field goals or something like not just standard kickoffs where everything would be a touchback, but like on That's field goal attempts, you could use metal tipped cleats. And like you're blasting, yeah. like, are you punting this ball or are you trying this from the 85? 
Yeah, and you know everybody talks about kickers not being a real part of uh, football. And just yeah, if we're making special hate, so. teams, if we're making special teams because of all yeah. the injuries, not important because of all the other rule changes, why don't we make kicking way more important because these are pretty low injury plays. Yes, I could not agree more. Yeah, if By that's putting more two-point conversions in the game because they made yes. field goals harder recently, you put more high-risk injury plays into the game by switching from a basic-ass extra point to a highly contested two-point conversion attempt. Yeah, and I will say, you know, uh, it has been fun seeing uh, extra points being moved back over the last several years because uh, they, they do get missed, and it does. Yeah, let's have some fun just, with kicking. I'm into it, man. Let's, uh, let's have fun with special teams. I feel like that's a place that's uh, ripe for the picking. While we're at it, let's fix the seeding problem in the NFL. You don't automatically deserve home field advantage if you win your division. Home field advantage should get you a play-in spot. I mean, I mean, winning your division should get you a play-in spot, but that's where it ends. We had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year finish the regular season 8-9, and nine, and they took on the 11-win Cowboys at their stadium. Now, the Cowboys mopped the floor with them, and if you were listening to this podcast, you would know we were all over the Cowboys because the Buccaneers were a disaster last season, right? So um, let's fix that. We don't need the worst team having a home field they don't deserve a home field advantage for having a sub 500 record like go no that's such an obvious it it, it could determine seating it could determine whatever but you need to reallocate the home field to the better team yeah no that's just such an absolutely obvious one just because Um, you play like for for this season door sorry to cut you off but for this season like i'm looking at the there's some really really strong divisions right you're in one yeah. Bengals, Ravens, Browns, Steelers. You might have four playoff teams. All right, let's go through another one. There's also Chiefs and Chargers are in the same one. Jets, Bills, Dolphins, Patriots are in one together. Eagles, Cowboys are in one together. So there are some really stacked divisions. And then there's other ones that look like uh, New Orleans, Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's another one that looks like Minnesota Vikings, Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions. So like yeah. those those eight teams that I just listed, Dorsey, two of them will automatically this season have a home field playoff game. Who's going to be the uh, redhead stepchild of the AFC? Who's going to get the home field advantage that doesn't deserve it? The Jaguars. Jag- yeah, okay. It's Jaguars, Titans, Colts, Texans in that division. So, so if it's not if it's not the Jaguars, and you're telling me it's either the Titans, the Texans, or the Colts, which would steal the award automatically, right? Right. Yep. Yep. And then what would be uh, what would be the second one if we're going to pick the next conference? Ah, uh, the, the of I guess it's all I would, pretty even. I, I would go back to the NFC and say it's probably that like if the 49ers aren't great, it's like Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but I do got to say, I'm pretty excited about the Seahawks. I, uh, I love Gino, baby. I absolutely love it. And, um, you know, not to get off too topic here, but if, uh, talking about my fantasy strategy, Gino might be my guy. He might be. I'm late excited QB, about it. Late QB, Gino Smith. You read the Fiddles pick sub stacks of my NFL futures absolutely. and saw that I'm on the Seahawks to win the division at plus 210 on Caesars. That's right. That's right. And uh, hopefully soon to be renamed the free money Substack. But yeah, either way. <laughs> that would be. I think that's hilarious. Um, any other rule changes that we could think of before we get out of here? This was, I think this ended up being the most fun part of the pod. 
Oh yeah, no, I think uh, no, I think what we ought to do is uh, you know you ought to have me back sometime, and uh, I'll do some brainstorming between now and then, and uh, I think we can come up with some even more zany ones than we did today. All right, that's what we'll have. We'll do our own little Bill Simmons as the half baked idea segment where he invites people on to throw out crazy ideas. Maybe that's what this pod will start doing with Dorsey. We'll have to come up with our own name for it, and we'll obviously give give credit where it's originally due. Doris, thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. You stuck with me through some technical difficulties and figuring it out. Hopefully this ends up sounding great because I have a new microphone like I'm Joe Rogi. Um I don't <laughs> no, know. Mike, I, thank you. I don't even I don't even listen to Joe Rogan. I just I just got his podcast microphone because <laughs> he knows audio is crystal clear. No, Mike, thank you for having me on. You know, you're my buddy. This is fun. I uh I've never gotten to do something like this and uh I can represent the average Joe fan uh, just getting his way into the betting world, having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and, hey, how much more fun could it be than to be able to follow one of my best buddies who's giving out the best picks every week? And getting 125 yards plus CLV closing line value on a Zay Flower. Insane. 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 It's my investment Wait, strategy for Let me. Let me – let me quickly give me one second, Dorsey, before we get out of here. I want to see if you could find an I'm going to see if I can find an alternate prop and tell you what you'd have to pay for Zay Flowers to do that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Pro- show me the value. <laughs> so you already have to pay minus 112. So 112. So it's it it's already a higher implied probability. It used to be fifty two point three eight. Now it's six twenty five yards at fifty two point eight three. So switch those numbers around because you're paying minus one twelve instead of minus one ten. Um, I can't find an alternate yards on him. Um, no, they just have his straight regular yards. They have alternate yards for some of the bigger names. Gotcha. All right. Anyways. Great pod. Thank you for the time, Doris. Look forward to your free money on Zay Flowers. If he, I, this, you, you know, we just spoke it into existence that he's turned his ankle week three and it's going to yeah. be brutal. Just knocked Knock on wood, on wood baby. All right. For everyone else, I'll be back with another pod or two this week and next week. We'll be doing a week one slate breakdown very shortly. We'll be going through all of the odds and best bets. Again, you could find me on Twitter at Fiddles Picks. You could uh, follow my Substack, the Fiddles Pick Substack. You can just go to my Twitter and click the link, or you could find all of my bets in the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. Potentially changes coming there that are going to be really fun and exciting. All right, everyone, peace out. Thank you. Thank you.